Hello and welcome to episode 148 of the CogniCast, the podcast by Cognitech Inc. about software and the people who create it. I'm Russ Olson. This week we have an interesting conversation that Karen Meyer recorded with Katie Morton and Joe Sack about their work on the Technovation Challenge. But before we get started, we do have a few announcements. The Enclosure Conference, India's annual closure conference, and apparently the only closure conference in Asia, is happening on January 11th and 12th, 2019 in Bangalore, India. Go on over to enclosure.org for all the details. The Closure D conference is happening on February 23rd, 2019 in the lovely city of Berlin, Germany. Go on over to closured.de for all the details. We also have a couple of calls for papers. If you'd like to speak at the Dutch Closure Days in Amsterdam, head on over to closuredays.org. While if you want to speak at Closure North in Toronto, Canada, go on over to closurenorth.com. Well, that's about it. So on to Katie and Joe and Karen and episode 148 of the CogniCast. Today's date. Today's nineteenth already. Wow. Mm-hmm. So welcome everyone. Um, today is September nineteenth, and this is the Cognicast. I'm Karen Meyer, and today it's my great pleasure to welcome two people to our show: um, Katie Morton, who works for Iridescent, and she's the program manager for the Technovation Challenge, which is the world's largest technology entrepreneurship program for girls. And also Joe Sack, who is a software engineer at Iridescent as well, and works at Technovations. Uh, he works on the, the custom rails application for it. So thank you both for being with us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So Katie, where are you located? I'm located in San Francisco. Great. And Joe? Guadalajara. Wow. Yeah. So we have uh, all over. Um, So again, welcome to the show. Um, Just uh, for our regular listeners and for you, um, we usually start off our show with a question of art. And this can be art in any sort of thing that relates to you. It could be visual art, it could be music, it can be theater, anything at all. So um, I know that you've had some time to think about it. So so please, Katie, um, can you share with us an experience of art? Yeah. So last year I was in Spain. I was there to help promote Technovation. And when I went to Barcelona, I visited La Sagrada Familia, which is this beautiful architectural masterpiece. And it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. I just absolutely loved all of the modern art, the symbolism, and the connection to nature that La Sagrada Familia has. And to be in such an awe-inspiring building and for it to be a church, it was a very spiritual and beautiful experience for me. 
That sounds fascinating. <laughs> How about you, Joe? Yeah, I thought about your question and something that stuck out to me um, as an art experience, recently anyway, um, there, there's this YouTube channel called Every Frame of Painting and the people that do, I think it's a two-person team that does the channel, well, they, they actually ended up quitting doing the channel um, either this year or last year, I'm not sure. And when they were writing sort of their moratorium on the channel, um, something that stuck out to me was that uh, they said, don't do your research on Google because you won't find anything there that isn't already known by everybody because Google just really shows you what's popular. So go to the library. So that's always kind of stuck with me. Um, and I didn't explain what the channel is about. It's about uh, film analysis. And it's a very interesting channel. Um, I kind of like film analysis, even though I'm not good at it myself. Um, and I, it's just stuck with me, that idea of, if you want to find interesting information that is kind of, uh, hasn't been talked about in a long time, that people have forgotten about or something like that, you should go to the library, so. Yeah, libraries are the least travel path <laughs> nowadays, so that's for sure. But thank you. Um, yeah, so I really want to um, get to this, what is this Technovation Challenge? Um, I brought up the webpage, and it's. Um, I know that it's a technology entrepreneurship program for girls, but can you give me some background about this? Yeah, definitely. So... Technovation empowers girls to come up with a problem in their community that they're passionate about and then work together with a team and a mentor to solve that problem. So we teach girls how to identify a problem and then create a mobile app, a business idea, and a pitch to solve that problem. So it started in 2010 in Silicon Valley. It was a classroom-based approach where you'd have a group of girls and an instructor who would go through our curriculum, uh, which was fine, but it only reached you know, a set number of girls, very location-specific here in Silicon Valley. And what we did in 2015 was we transferred the curriculum online so that anyone with a computer, internet, and a mobile phone could participate in our program. And since then, we've been able to expand to 100 different countries. And this year alone, we reached around 20,000 girls. So at the heart of the program, it's a commitment to leadership development for girls and teaching them how to become problem solvers and use technology for social good. That sounds fantastic. What, what are the age range of the girls that participate? They're 10 to 18. Wow. So, school and high school. So, uh, I, I saw on the webpage that this is, it looks like a very successful um, program that has some really big support um, behind it. Yeah, definitely. So, we've been very lucky to have amazing corporate partners ranging from Google to Salesforce and Adobe who believe in our mission, who believe in strengthening the pipeline of girls in technology to become women in technology. And, and so Google, Salesforce, and Adobe have supported us not only financially, but through employee engagement. So 
uh, a lot of the these employees will mentor the teams to serve as industry role models and to help the girls progress through the curriculum, um, hosting events at their spaces, uh, and really helping us build the capacity of our organization. So um, we've, you know, they've been tremendous partners, and I think it's been a very mutual relationship where um, they see how we've identified a need within the tech sector, and we've been able to benefit from their support both in kind through volunteerism and employee engagement and financially as well. Great. Um, so you mentioned the, the curriculum. Can, can you give me a little bit more um, information about um, what the program's like and how long the girls are engaged with it? Sure. So the girls step through four different units. They step through ideation, so brainstorming their problem, walks them through a little bit about design thinking, um, whether their app idea will be feasible for the problem that they've identified. It walks them through coding, so learning how to build a mobile app. We focus on App Inventor and Thunkable uh, as the platforms, which are very easy for new beginners and new coders. They also step through the marketing units and the business units, which teach them how to do competitor analysis, look at the other existing tech solutions for similar problems, and how what's their, what's their value, how are they different from their competitors. And then pitching, so learning how to uh, persuade others and summarize their ideas in a four-minute pitch. And so by the end of the program, they'll, they'll have stepped through the whole product development process and be able to convince others. So we have these regional events around the world where girls can actually participate in the first round of judging at our regional pitch events and pitch their ideas to a panel of judges. If they're not in a regional hub, they can participate in our virtual round of judging and have an opportunity to advance in our competition. So it really encapsulates that whole process of becoming an entrepreneur from brainstorming your problem all the way to being able to pitch it and, um, and persuade others. Wow. So how long does the whole, the whole program take? It seems like that's a lot of information. I know, I know. Uh, and the girls, you know, they're so committed and so passionate about it. Uh, but the girls generally start no later than January, and they have to submit by the end of April. So there are some girls who will be, who will be starting the program in October, uh, but they, uh, they have to finish by April. So for most girls, it'll take them anywhere between three to five months to, to have their finished product. Wow. So, so what is the, uh, I know Joe, you, you work on the, the actual application. So where, where does this technology play in? Uh, the technology of the 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 platform itself. Mm -hmm. um, it's really there to support the program um, to have uh, a central place of collaboration for the teams um, because they are actually uh, submitting their idea through this platform. So there's actually a feature in the platform with, where they will actually put in all the information, such as the name of their app a short description, they'll upload their business plan if they're required to, that, that depends on their age. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see what else. They specify which development platform they used. Katie mentioned App Inventor and Thunkable. We also support um, if you use Swift or 
um, Java, that's okay too. Um, or there's even a other, tell us what you used. Uh, we've seen uh, some teams do web apps instead of mobile apps. So we saw last year some, some teams wrote in JavaScript and React. Um, but yeah, so the platform uh, helps them set up their teams. So it's, it says, you know, we're, we're such and such team and it's these uh, up to five girls with these mentors. And then the team will together work on one submission. So anybody on the team can contribute to the same submission uh, logged in with their own account. And then, uh, yeah, uh, by the deadline, they need to submit it for judging. And then we have the online judging. Um, and we also have the in-person judging. Um, and uh, the platform supports that, that part of the season as well. So uh, the, the people who are local, we call them regional ambassadors. They're kind of like the the main volunteer of a region and they kind of they kind of help us run the whole program in that area well they'll also set up the events right and so they can actually put in the information about their events as well and this will show up on the on the platform for the students uh, to select if they would like to attend and pitch at one and also for assigning the judges that actually show up in person at those events um, they'll actually be able to put their scores online uh, in the platform itself, um, as well as doing it in person with pen and paper. I see There's now. There's more I know. to it than that, but maybe <laughs> I should stop and like. Oh no, I'm just, I'm just kind of envisioning questions. this all, and, and I'm also I, I'm envisioning um, all the wonderful ideas that these girls must have come up with. Are there any that just you know pop out that you could share with us? Um, I really loved the, the one that won uh, during my first year. Uh, it was a girl actually from Guadalajara. <laughs> and uh, she did um, an application that would help people find volunteer opportunities in their, in their area. Uh, there wasn't really something like that here um, already. So she went ahead and made uh, an app where people can post that they have a need for volunteers and then people can look and say like, it's kind of like volunteer match, but for, you know, for Mexico. Very cool. Yeah. Katie, do you have any favorites? Uh, yeah, this year we had the winning team for the junior division. Um, they're from Nigeria and they created an app called Fake Drug Detector, which helps identify fake pharmaceutical drugs in Nigeria. And so um, it uses, it the drug's barcode to verify its authenticity and expiration date, and they have plans to partner with the government, uh, but the backstory behind their app is really inspiring. Um, they created the app because one of the girls on the team's brother actually died from um, ingesting fake drugs, and so, you know, they were, they, they were passionate. It came from a real need, a problem they witnessed firsthand. Um, and when they first started Technovation, they'd never used a computer before. And so here they are with this incredible app idea that's technologically sophisticated, um, who have become the grand prize winner in the junior division. Uh, and so, you know, their, their whole story, I think, really goes to encapsulate what Technovation is about. It's about uh, using technology for social good, becoming a leader, stepping outside of your comfort zone. And they did all of those things, uh, as well as producing a high-quality project. That's amazing. 
So, so I'm thinking right now, and I'm sure a lot of listeners at this point is like, how do I get involved? Or if I have a daughter, how do I, how do I get her involved? Um, can you give us a little information on this? Absolutely. So um, one of the most important ways that you could become involved is through mentorship. So uh, throughout Technovation, the girls, you know, they work on their team with their fellow classmates, but they need help and guidance. They not only need expertise um, and knowledge to help create their app and business idea, but they need a champion and a supporter who's going to um, be their cheerleader and help them get to the finish line, give them the motivation and support that they need to do that. So a mentor works weekly with a group of students to help them develop their app and business idea and serves as kind of their project manager and keeping the girls on track and, and meeting the deadline of April to submit. So that's one way. Another way is through becoming a judge. So we had 2,000 app submissions in 2018, which is amazing. And we rely on a, a very passionate group of volunteers to help us evaluate these app submissions. And so that can be done virtually from the comfort of your own home, or if you're in a location that has a regional pitch event, uh, it's possible to volunteer at a regional pitch event and help judge the submissions in person. So that's uh, a very clear way, and that, that would be in the spring. And then another way is being an advocate. So we want as many girls as possible to hear about the program. So recruiting your daughter or your neighbor or you know your niece to join Technovation and form a group with their with their friends and participate in the program. So registration opens on October 1st, which is just around the corner, and we're really looking forward to um, engaging participants, both as students, as mentors, and judges in this upcoming. Uh, cycle, which we call the 2019 season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the timing couldn't be more perfect, actually, that you invited us <laughs> because we're opening registration so soon, and hopefully, people might want to think about being mentors or judges. Yeah, we'll put the uh, link in the show notes, but um, if you want to go there right now, it's technovationchallenge.org. Mm -hmm. So you can check that out. Um, so I did see on the website that there are chapters, but there are also clubs. What, what's the difference? Yeah. So a chapter is a regional hub. So we have chapters that can be defined similar to TED or TEDx. Um, you, you, you can have a chapter that's a university, a city, a province, or your country. So we have, for example, Technovation University of Calgary. We have Technovation Tunisia. We have Technovation Minnesota. And so these are all chapters which are run by a local community partner or a passionate program manager, a volunteer program manager who recruits girls, recruits mentors, and hosts events. And so we have about uh, chapters in 50 different countries which are active. And a club, you can think of that more on a micro scale. So a club is going to be, um, maybe it's run by a teacher at a school, it has two or three teams, or it's run at a boys and girls club and uh, as an after school program. And so it's a, a, on a micro scale, um, part of the, the ecosystem. So you have clubs and then you have chapters that oversee them, uh, which all feed into our global program. 
This seems just like an incredibly um, well organized <laughs> um, thing. That I'm just amazed that how, how did this start out? How did this grow? Yeah, so I think that um, a couple different factors. One, which is the on, shifting our program to being online was definitely a, a crucial component to helping us expand overseas. And then another, you, but that's, that could be any online course. You know, what differentiates Technovation is that we have this group of passionate chapter leads who are community partners or volunteer program managers who are the face of the program locally. And so through recruiting the girls and the mentors and providing that program support, they're able to disseminate the program to as many girls as they can within their region. And so our job at Technovation headquarters is to make sure that our chapters have the resources they need to run a well-oiled program, that we're supporting the mentors um, who are working with the girls, and that the girls have the um, resources they need to be able to participate in the program. So our job at Technician is really to help facilitate this and make sure that everyone, both the chapters, the mentors, and the girls are staying on track and have the information they need to be successful. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah, so um, in a lot of cases, I've noticed that some of our volunteer managers in these regional areas, it seems like they've already had their own program that they may have been running or are still running in conjunction. Um, and I'm sure that helps a lot with their passion and ability to to connect with us as volunteers. Right. Our, our model is a very uh, good plug-and-play sort of model where you can take our curriculum, you can take our program, and then fit it within your organization and adapt it to your organization's needs or your the local context. And so I think that's the beauty of how we've been able to scale as well is that um, you know, we have all these girls who speak multiple different languages, multiple different religions, ethnicities, cultural backgrounds, but uh, because it's, you know, an online program that can fit the needs of the local context, it's been very successful. That's great. Um, so after the girls participate in this um, wonderful um, program, what's next for them? So uh, there's a couple different um, things that we're really excited about. So one is the student ambassador program. After students complete the program, they have an opportunity to apply to become a leader, to become a student ambassador. So these girls are part of a leadership development program where they'll have monthly trainings with us at headquarters. They'll have online, vir virtually over webinar. They create an action plan on how to recruit at least 10 underserved girls to participate in the program. So they're tasked with the responsibility of recruiting girls, um, hosting events, and being a peer leader. Because what we found is that, you know, girls are going to connect with one each uh, with each other, one another, better maybe than an adult who's coming and doing a boring presentation mm -hmm. after school. So having a girl who's able to, you know, be that shining role model. Uh, an example and also develop her own skill sets uh, I think is, is really important and so this year we have about 85 student ambassadors this is our third year running that 
initiative as a next step for the students. And then uh, on a more holistic scale, we're looking at ways to benefit the larger alumni community because if only 85 students are selected for this opportunity, how best can we support the thousands of other girls? And so we, we launched an alumni website for the girls, which we're hoping to really build out into both virtual and in-person opportunities. So whether that's scholarships, internships, an accelerator program, career shadowing, we want to um, build out our opportunities available to the entire alumni base. So that's where our head's at. In the next few years, we're trying to strengthen that alumni community so that there's some tangible next steps on their journey. That's great. Um, Did we actually talk about um, the ending of the program in World Pitch as well? No, no I think we, we, we <laughs> let's, please, let's talk <laughs> that, about that's that. That's another uh, <laughs> what's next uh, for those that, that, that make it to World Pitch. Yeah, absolutely. So um, thinking about the, the competition element of the program, after the girls submit all of their projects, they can participate in the first round of judging, which is either at those regional pitch events that I mentioned or the virtual round of judging. And then from there, there's the semifinal round, which is completely online. So both girls who participate in a live event or the virtual round who are top scoring will move into the semifinals, which are online. And then the final round is world pitch. And so uh, the top 12 teams from around the world come to Silicon Valley to pitch their apps and their business ideas to uh, a panel of judges who are executives at leading companies. So, and they have an opportunity to win scholarships. And what they do with, that, with the scholarship funding is, is flexible. We want them to use it to continue their education in technology or entrepreneurship. But um, some of the girls with their prize money, with their scholarships, have actually reinvested it into their community which is such a beautiful thing. Um, the team from Kazakhstan last year from 2017 reinvested it into their local, local competition so that girls from their regional event could win a cash prize. And so, um, yeah, we follow up and make sure that we, the girls are using it for their own professional development or for a community cause. It's such a fantastic program. <laughs> uh, yeah, is, is there is there anything that I didn't mention or that we didn't mention about it? Because I, I want to make sure that all the information gets out there about this. Joe, do you have any other thoughts on, on what may have not been covered? I don't think so. I think we covered it all. Um... Nothing comes to mind. Okay. Well, I encourage everybody, like I said, to go to the website and um, you know read up about it, and um, you know maybe volunteer and get involved in this wonderful organization. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, one thing to add to that, um, we do a lot of work to support our volunteers as well. Um, we have uh, a Slack channel for the mentors, they help each other out. So all of our mentors are welcome to be in there um, and to give each other advice or to help each other through the curriculum. And they actually have direct access to us as well. So um, if there are technical problems on the website, uh, they can talk directly to me or another developer. 
Um, if there are con if there's confusion with the curriculum or or questions about the program, they can they can talk directly with our staff in Slack. Um, and we also have that uh, for our volunteer managers as well. Yeah, I think that just goes back to the larger community that we we try and build with our program. The competition mm -hmm. is just one element of it, but we really try and create a community for the girls that's supported by their mentors, who are supported by their local chapters, who are supported by us. And that's something that one of our our regional ambassadors who leads a chapter in Turkey, he told me at World Pitch, he said that you know, Technovation is a family, and that's something that he tries and instills in the girls in his in his city in Istanbul. And so that's that sense of family, even though it's a virtual family at times, is really something that we try and build because that's what's going to, you know, inspire these girls to join these careers in technology and entrepreneurship. That sense of community, that sense of making the world a better place. That's great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and um, letting letting us know about this wonderful program. Um, I did kind of want to touch on, I, I was reading a bit about both of your backgrounds, and um, Katie, in, in particular, yours, uh, you come from a non-traditional kind of path um, mm. that I was hoping that um, you wouldn't mind talking about, but... Um, You've been, you've done service work um, domestically and abroad, and in particular, I think you had two years of AmeriCorps, and I was wondering if you could talk about that experience and what it was like. Yeah, so um, after I graduated college in 2013, I served in AmeriCorps for two years. So for those who may not be as familiar, AmeriCorps is kind of the domestic version of the Peace Corps, where you're placed at a nonprofit and help build the capacity of that organization. So for me, I, was, I chose to serve in my hometown in Erie, Pennsylvania, and I served there for two years. I worked with an organization that um, was a neighborhood community organization that served immigrant and refugee youth. And so I ran the after-school program there and, and fundraised and raised grants for that organization. And I think that was a very pivotal point for me in my career because I previously had not really thought about entering education, uh, the education sector before. Um, it taught me a lot about racial inequities, um, the gaps that are present for low-income children, and you know, I think it really set me on the path that I, I am on now. Um, and I think service is something that's an important value to me, um, where you, you learn so much by just listening and observing and being part of that community and being immersed. And so that was an incredible experience for me. Uh, and after I, I was in AmeriCorps, I, I did an unpaid fellowship in India for six months. And so I spent six months in Bangalore, India, uh, working for an education organization there. And those two and a half years after college, I didn't have a salary, I had a stipend, and it taught me a lot about, um, I think, wearing lots of different hats, um, being immersed in a totally different environment, um, and it was, you know, grassroots, grassroots 
and learning what the people need. And so that has informed a lot of my job here, reflecting on those experiences and being able to empathize and think about what are the needs of people who are in low-income communities. So yeah, I want to put a pin in that, but uh, it, it was really a very formative part of my career and has led me to where I am now. Yeah, it, it definitely <laughs> sounds like it. And I'm glad that your path has led you um, into this organization um, in helping with the girls. So, yeah. Joe, jo, how did you get involved in this um, this program as well and your path? Take, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So, I would actually say that um, my joining Iridescent has been the turning point for me. So maybe a, a reverse or a mirrored image um, of Katie's path. Um, but so as a programmer, as a programmer, I've had a pretty traditional path um, in and out of various web design agencies. Um, you know, ever since college. Um, how I got involved with Iridescent, though, I was uh, looking for work, uh, and a friend of mine in Chicago was in the same co-working space as a couple of other employees of Iridescent while they were hiring. So she actually is the one that connect, uh, connected us. And um, I was interviewing a couple different places and um, my gut said Iridescent. Um, and part of that was just the mission uh, and the fact that I'd be doing something that had social responsibility, you know, um, some sort of social good in the world. Um, so that was the deciding factor. And then working at Iridescent has just been so good for me as a programmer, as a programmer who, who has had his fair share of ego um, in the past, um, just working with other people who have, who have helped me to learn my soft skills and my empathy. And, um, you know, not that I didn't have those, but it's definitely helped working here. And um, the other thing is just, I don't know, the satisfaction. Um, sometimes you get a thank you note from a student, you know, or going to World Pitch. I've been to World Pitch twice, um, and watching the pitches makes the whole year worth it, no matter how tough it may have been during some of the more uh, deadline-heavy pressure sensitive times of year times of the year um it makes it all worth it to, to watch those pitches and to uh to to get a to get a thank you note from from a student which i've gotten one or two and those have meant more to me than than any other interaction at a job that i've had in the past so I don't know if I answered your question. No, no, that's great. I, I was just as wondering, well as, uh, it, as far as personal experiences with um, the program and both of you, have you have you had any uh, chance to see like firsthand changes in the girls, like from the beginning to the end of the program? Uh, so I think that um, so I so in the Bay Area, I. I also serve as a chapter lead, so I organize events here and support the girls from start to finish. And I think that there are uh, there are a lot of girls who have actually participated year over year, and to hear them come back um, and see them each year get more confident in their abilities 
and in what they're doing uh, and their resiliency when they don't win. Um, there are, there's a girl who's participated for three years who's never won, and but she's now a student ambassador. I've seen her, you know, start out as you know more of a shy 13 year old, 14 year old, and now she runs workshops. She trains other student ambassadors. Um, there to see that transformation in them is is really quite amazing, and that's something that is echoed around the world from all of our chapter leads as well, who have a lot of those stories of girls who um, have never touched a computer before, have never learned how to code, who gain their voice and their sense of agency through the program. So, uh, so many, so many different stories uh, that I could that I could pull from. But um, I mean, we have girls like from Uganda and Ethiopia who are also not only in underserved communities, but who are also have disabilities, uh, who are blind or deaf who have participated in the program. Um, so talk about some barriers and obstacles to overcome. Um, there's a lot of different layers to to peel back with that. Yeah, I, that's amazing. Um, I, I know from uh, just my firsthand experience with, um, you know, my daughter and uh, girls in school that sometimes they're a little hesitant into doing something new or just trying something they haven't done before. So how do you think is kind of the, the best way to encourage them or, or any hints that you have <laughs> that have worked? Yeah, so I think that one thing with Technovation, um, there's a couple different ways that I think we reduce that um, barrier and help them step outside their comfort zone. One is, because it's a girls only program, um, you know, it feels like a safe place for them to try new things. They don't have to feel like they're self-conscious or being judged um, and that they can, they can do this with their friends and have it be, you know, a bonding experience for them. Um, another way that I think we get past that comfort zone is because the girls, we, we, it's open-ended. You think of a problem that you're passionate about. Is it teen depression? Is it neonatal care, is it malaria, is it, and for for them to think of something that's affecting them or their classmates or their family or their community, they're able to get really, really excited about it. And then it's not, it's not tedious, it's not boring, it's not um, just this task that they have to do, it's connected to a real life application. Um, and so I think for those are some of the magic ingredients that are part of it. And then, um, you know, the, the, the support that they're offered by their mentor who's able to share with them their own personal challenges they've had with work or with school or, or what, whatever it may be, um, having it be, once again, a safe place for, to share those experiences with someone who's older that they can look up to and really motivate them. Um, I think those are some of the, the crucial keys to success there. Um, the girl-only environment and the peer learning, the mentorship and the, um, the curriculum itself tying into a real-world concept and real-world application of what they're doing. Yeah, I, I'm also fascinated with the, the program just being as international and having so many different cultures and, and languages. Have you seen any um, like cross-pollination between the, the different groups as a result of this? Mm, cross-pollination. Um, 
So there was actually two teams who actually came to World Pitch who were discussing ways that they could work together. Um, they were junior and senior division. They were both American teams, but one from San Francisco and one from Washington, D.C. And the Washington, D.C. team, they were middle schoolers, and they developed a speech therapy app. And the team in San Francisco was high school, and they developed a autism, an app to help those suffering from autism. And so they had actually communicated before World Pitch, um, and were talking about collaboration which was really incredible to see that, you know, instead of, even though they're competing in separate divisions, it was that spirit of collaboration and, and teamwork. And so I think I'm really, I'm really excited to see what they develop together and if they'll take that forward, um, collaborating more closely. And then this might not be a cross-pollination of ideas, but um, it's really interesting to see that there are girls in very different areas of the world who are coming up with very similar problems, um, which goes to show that some problems just transcend different boundaries, different cultures, ethnicities. So, uh, for example, um, this year we had two fire safety apps that were very close in the competition, and one was from the Palestinian territories and one was from China. And so, to see that you know that they're thinking about these issues very critically and in similar ways, it's it's fascinating to see. Um, what the girls think is important and how it's, it's affecting them and how that transcends boundaries. Again, that's just amazing <laughs> that girls are doing all this, you know, it around really the world. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is um, fantastic. So, um, yeah, so just this is a wonderful combination of girls, technology, solving problems, and in, ser in service. And I can only see that this is going to get better, right? With, with, uh, as technology progresses um, and the word gets out and more girls get involved, I, I think, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, we're, we're trying to start a movement. And I think it's, you know, our numbers suggest, you know, with 20,000 girls in, in 2018 alone, that it's growing each and every year exponentially. And so the demand is certainly there. I think girls are hungry for opportunities, things that challenge them, um, ways to grow and learn and try new things. And people see this as an opportunity for them, especially girls in, uh, girls everywhere, but girls in developing countries too. This is a really important way for them to learn English. It's an important way for them to, to uh, upskill uh, and gain very tangible hard skills that they can apply. Um, girls everywhere, but especially in underserved communities around the world, it's it's a really, it could be a very life-changing experience for them. And so that movement of girls, mentors, and our volunteers who are all supporting each other, uh, it's really quite transformational. And we're hoping that the numbers of women in the tech force are going to look very different in the next um, 10 years because of programs like ours and and other programs which are stem oriented and leadership oriented we're, we're hopeful about that future fantastic um, yeah anything else um, I'm just gonna open the floor to you that uh, if you wanted to um, bring up before we we get to our traditional um, final advice question 
I think from from my side, just uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to to support programs like ours, and and it's a way to use your own skills in a in a very impactful way. And so I'd encourage all the listeners to think about volunteering um, or through recruiting a girl or two or several to participate in the program. Um, and you can learn a lot too from from participating as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well. Yes, and um, mentors do not need to be or consider themselves tech-savvy people. Um, Many of our mentors do not consider themselves tech-savvy, so that's not a requirement either. Um, But for those that are, um, if you're worried about the time commitment, mentoring is not the only way to contribute to the program. If there's a chapter in your area, um, get a hold of the, the person that's running that chapter and let them know that maybe you could host a workshop night or something like that. Um, there's certainly been uh, those sorts of events as well where uh, an industry professional, they just come in just for the night just to, um, to put on a presentation and maybe to do some one-on-one uh, you know, uh, uh, planning with the girls like uh, here in Mexico, we get a lot of volunteers from Oracle, um, especially from the user experience design um, department. And um, they're not necessarily all mentors. Some of them, they just do these kind of workshop things. So that could be an even easier way if if you're if people are worried about the time commitment or judging. Judging is is easy and and fast, and you can do it right there on your computer. All right. Well, thank you again, um, both of you, for letting us know about this wonderful program and how to get involved. Um, and we get to move to our our um, question um, of advice, <laughs> which is actually one of my favorite parts of the show, because um, I get to hear um, people's advice over many different shows, and they've always got fantastic um, bits of wisdom that can be applied. Um, so... I will ask, um, Katie, I'll ask you first. Um, do you have any advice for our listeners that you'd like to share? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that one of my pieces of advice is to not be afraid of the fire <laughs> because I think a lot of times people are afraid to be tested by fire, um, to just jump right in, and especially for women who feel like they may not have the skills or the ability or anything like that and really to just jive right in because that's where your most important learning experiences your personal growth and your professional growth are going to come from when you don't have all the answers it's okay to just be brave and learn along the way that's great and uh, joe yeah um to my fellow programmers out there, I think the number one piece of advice I could ever give another one would be um, uh, take some time to learn some active listening skills. Um, that was a big thing for me, um, especially if you already think you're a good listener. I would challenge you to to look into that and, and find out. Um, it's done a lot for me personally on a personal level and in my professional development as well. Um, and it's, it's made me a lot better at supporting our, our user base as well and, and improving on the user experience. 
That's a great piece of advice too. I could definitely be better at that as well. Um, so thank you, um, both of you, um, for taking time out and being on the show. Um, I think we'll wrap it up here. So thanks, Katie and thanks. Joe. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great being here. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll make sure to put the link in the show notes about it, so please check it out. And this has been the Cognicast. have been listening to the Cognacast. The Cognacast is brought to you by Cognatech. We are a team of thoughtful, experienced technologists. Our passion is helping organizations from the smallest startups to the Fortune 50 deploy technology effectively and humanely. We're here to help you build better futures. You can find us on the web at Cognatech.com and on Twitter at, at Cognatech. You can subscribe to the Cognicast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art, show notes, and episode transcripts at our home on the web, cognitech.com slash Cognicast. You can contact the show by tweeting at Cognicast or by emailing us at podcast at cognitech.com. This week, our guests were Katie Morton and Joe Sack. You can find out more about the Technovation Challenge that Katie and Joe are involved in by heading over to Technovation Challenge, that's all one word, technovationchallenge.org, or by following at Technovation on Twitter. Our host this week was Karen Meyer, who is at Gigasquid on Twitter. Episode cover art is, well, by me, Russ Olson. Audio production is by Joe Smith and Jarrett Binford. The Cognicast is produced by Kim Foster. Our theme music is by Cognitech's own Ben Camphouse, who produces music as Pattern Shift. Look for it on any of the major streaming services. I'm Russ Olson. Thanks so much for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.